Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, and especially today, because director Adam Schell is here to discuss Pursuing Happiness his inspiring new documentary. And I think all of us wonder, what is the secret to happiness? So this is an excellent topic for a documentary. I had the good fortune to see a screener of the film, and it's a real eye-opener. It's so, it's so inspirational, and the people that you meet in this documentary, they will just go right straight to your heart. In fact, I can't stop thinking about it. It follows Adam and his producer across the country where they talk to many remarkable people, and I should emphasize remarkable, who actually radiate happiness. And every story shows a different struggle and a different triumph as each one of the people uh, interviewed shows the world what makes them happy and and we see their impact on others. I'm so happy that after successful screenings at several film festivals, Pursuing Happiness is scheduled to open in select theaters on March 20th, and if I'm wrong about that, I'm sure Adam will set me straight when we bring him on. And March 20th is designated as International Happiness Day. And then the movie will be released on demand and streaming services throughout 2016, which will enable um, most of you listeners to, to catch it. That's my hope. Well, it's my great pleasure now to bring our special guest on. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, Adam. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be on. It's a real treat to have you on. I just want to congratulate you on this documentary. Uh, it's, it's one that has just stayed with me since I, I saw the screener, and it's one that I'm, I'm so happy to help uh, get the word out on. But, and we're going to do a lot of talking about it, but I, I wanted a little background information for our listeners about you. When did you first become interested in making documentaries? You know, it's it's actually funny. I kind of fell into documentary filmmaking by accident. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm actually a, a musician by training. I've been a musician my whole life. I'm a songwriter, a piano player. And uh, when I graduated college, my father gave me a computer to record some music on as a graduation gift. And oh. when I when, when I was growing up, I a, a group of friends and I that lived on the same cul-de-sac we made movies as kids, and we had this huge collection of all these movies we made as kids. 
And I lit, the movies literally lived in plastic bags on VHS tapes that were falling apart, never to be seen <laughs> again. And in an effort literally just to preserve them, uh, my friend Darren and I got together and we started transferring all these movies off the old VHS tapes onto new media at the time. It was like DV tapes or something, <laughs> which had, have now become obsolete. Uh, but luckily, we now have everything on uh, on hard drive and digital copies and all that stuff. So anyway, we took all these movies and we ended up compiling them into a feature documentary. And at the time, I I didn't even know what I was doing. I, we we were just like discovering this whole thing. It was more of a memento for us, uh, just like as a keepsake, um, mm-hmm. you know document our childhood and it turned out to be this really touching story of childhood and cover themselves through film and uh we ended up uh touring a whole bunch of film festivals we got a distribution deal and uh and thus began my career of documentary filmmaking oh my gosh you must have had so much fun doing that oh it, it was it was a total blast i mean it was it was really was a labor of love. I mean, it was it was our own childhood, and you know, it, it's also interesting because not only was it a labor of love, it was therapy. You know, because um, <laughs> we really got <laughs> to like tread through all of our childhood issues and and kind of come to terms with things, and you know, all the stuff that was caught on film of like, oh my God, you treated me horribly when we were kids, and and you know, we really got to hash that out and and do it in a very constructive, positive way. And really, you know, it was was such a cool moment. I mean, it took several years to actually do it because it was, you know, our side project. We'd work on it, you know, once or twice a week and, you know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. And, uh, you know, over the years, we kind of just combed through this thing and ended up with a film. And so you, you learned how to make documentaries early on by making by making a, a documentary. Is that available for for anyone to see? Uh, yeah, it's actually available on Netflix. Um, it's called "Put the Camera on Me." Um, I can't say that it's my best work, <laughs> but it, people do find it quite enjoyable. Oh my gosh, it's on Netflix and I'm hooked on Netflix. So that's <laughs> at the top that's at the top of my list <laughs> to see. I I'll Check probably it be it's probably not it's probably uh, not in the same vein as pursuing happiness, but uh but I'll I'll remember the story about how how you did that and I'm sure I I will enjoy it and the listeners probably will too. But were you influenced by any particular filmmakers or documentaries? You know, be it that when we started that project, I didn't even know, like, what a documentary really was. I mean, I kind of knew of them, but I didn't know. I mean, this was back in 2003 before documentaries became, like, the rage and everybody's, you know, really excited about a lot of documentaries. So, you know, I kind of knew them as, oh, yeah, there's the things that are on PBS every now and again about, you know, old rock stars and, and presidents and whatnot. <laughs> Um, but, you know, so be it that I was such a novice and so ignorant to the whole thing, I hadn't, I really didn't like watch documentaries. So I, I can't say that I was ever really influenced by anybody. Um, I can say that I was influenced a little bit by, you know, the, the shockumentary kind of things like Michael Moore and 
those types. You said Michael Moore, and then everything went went silent. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if he invaded (laughs) invaded us. I don't know. (laughs) That's really funny. I I I like his I like his documentaries too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I what I was saying was I and I don't get me wrong. I love Michael Moore's documentaries. Um, They're very fascinating. They're very entertaining. Um, and he always has a very interesting perspective on the things he makes films about. But for me, what I was saying is that's the kind of film that I don't want to make. A fil- that's that's what I don't want to do um, as a documentary filmmaker. I really, you know, I like to make films that really capture slices of life, that really capture humanity in its finest and, and real people. And rather than, you know, coming up with something and editing it and kind of making it, you know, tell a very specific story, I like to capture moments and people um, and find out who they are and why they do the things they do. I mean, that's one of the most interesting things on this planet is people and why we do the things we do and how we do them. And to me, I think being able to capture those moments and just represent them as cleanly as possible on screen is what really turns me on and really gets me excited about filmmaking. And so I think in this project, we've really, uh, I, I really tried to, you know, do that as much as possible. Now, of course, the film is edited. It's, you have to edit things together. Nobody talks in perfect sentences every time. So you have to kind of put things together in, in a cohesive format. But I do like to make them as real as possible and really capture who these people are and what they have to say. Well, you certainly did that in uh, pursuing happiness. And how did you happen to um, decide on that a topic uh, for a documentary? I, th- I think it's a, a fabulous topic, but what what was the trigger yeah. for you? You know, it was several things. It was uh, it was one is um, I, I made a film about a friend of mine, um, and he was just a glutton for joy. He spends all of his spare time, you know, searching out ways to have fun. Um, And making that film about him was just so intriguing because we toured about 75 film festivals with that film. It's called Finding Craftland. And Uh it it literally was surprising to me to hear audiences say, you know, things like, thank you so much for making this film. It's making me think about my life and bringing joy into my life. And I, and to hear that something that you've done has inspired people so greatly that they're going to rethink their own lives is just, it, it's incredible. And so part of it was, I was like fascinated with this, this idea of that a film can inspire people to make significant changes and to think about things in different ways. And so that's where the initial seed kind of got planted in my head. And then I started hearing so much about happiness in in just general life. You know, you hear about mm-hmm. more books being released and podcasts are coming out and movies being made. And, you know, uh, and the thing that got me the most was when I started hearing that they were teaching college courses on happiness, something that didn't exist when I went to college, which wasn't that long ago. I'm not that old. And mm-hmm. I, so it was just really fascinating to me that, that this topic was becoming so, you know, pervasive in our society. And the more and more I I, I started researching and talking to people about it, I kind of got this general feeling that we are pretty unhappy. 
as a, as a society, or at least we think we're unhappy. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you are unhappy or if you think you're unhappy. It's kind of almost the same thing, right? And so, oh, yeah. Right? And, and so the, the, that just kind of started bubbling in my head, and I was like, you know what? I want to investigate what's going on here. I want to see what's going on with with this industry. Why is it coming up at this point in time? Why are we talking about this so much? And then at the same time, I was like, you know, I just kept – Every time you turn on the news, there's some other story about some failing or what we're doing wrong or something you should be afraid of. Or, mm-hmm. And it was just – it was getting to me, and I was like, where is the happy media? Where is, and not that that stuff – that other stuff should go away because it has a place, but I just believe that it shouldn't be the only choice, right? And right. so I just – I was like, I want to go find out from the happy people because there's people out there that are, that are happy, you know, um, what are they doing? Why are they happy? What are they doing? That's so great that allows them to be happy. And that's where the seed for the film came about. Well, you probably had to raise, raise money because this is a very (laughs) unusual, (laughs) a very unusual uh, type of documentary. (laughs) And I understand you did use uh, uh, crowdfunding, which is kind of a new, new way to to fund um, movies. Uh, How did, how did that go for you? So we did a Kickstarter campaign to kind of uh, fund the production of the film. Yeah. And it was absolutely phenomenal because our Kickstarter campaign was twofold. It wasn't just, hey, we need money to make this film. It was, we not only need money to make this film, but we need a community to make this film about. We need people. We need subjects. Sure. Um, you know, the, the goal of the film or the goal of the production of the film was to find the happiest people in America. Um, and now I don't know that many people. So <laughs> thinking about the that task at hand of like, okay, how am I going to go around the country and find the happiest people in America? But he's going to start knocking on people's doors and say, how happy are you? How happy are you? I mean, it just seems this <laughs> daunting experience, right? And so the Kickstarter campaign really was a way for us to reach out to a much larger community, um, get supporters, 328 people backed the project. So it immediately you know, built this huge community of people that believed in it, that supported it, that put their money behind it. And then at the same time, they introduced us to people all over the country that they believed to be the happiest people they knew. Um, because that's that's how we framed it was, I wanted to meet person you know. Because there's that there's something that happens when you ask other people to refer somebody. It kind of weeds out that, you know, falseness of, oh, if you ask somebody, oh, I'm doing a film on happiness, trying to meet the happiest person, they may say, oh, I'm the happiest person, but are they really? It, it's so much clearer and stronger when it comes from somebody else, you know, because we definitely yes. have a really good filter in our heads about, about that. And, and very rarely, I mean, I don't think ever did we get somebody that we didn't believe was truly happy. So you used your uh, Kickstarter supporters to give you they, – they were not necessarily the happiest people in America, 
but you <laughs> use you use people that they they said were their happy right. the happiest people that they knew. Is that how you got the people to interview? Yes. I mean, so the film is made up of two pieces, basically, that I, I consider. There's the one piece of the, the happiest people in America that we found uh, through Kickstarter. We also found them through other means, through personal relationships and, you know, obviously, um, you know, the, and then when we're out on the road, too, it was we'd meet people and that question continued throughout the entire project. Who's the happiest person you know? And we continue mm-hmm. to get referrals. Um, so that's, that's one component of the film. The other component of the film is the science behind happiness. There's so much information out there um, that we wanted to discover, we wanted to learn about. And so the idea for me was I want to compare what the scientific community has learned about happiness to what the happiest people in the country are experiencing. And it's this beautiful yeah. marriage of heart and fact. Um, yeah. And it, so as we're, you know, going through the film and you're watching a character and they're talking about, you know, what what types of things make them happy or their philosophies on happiness or how they bring more of it into your life, we bring in an expert to talk about that same thing. There's this great moment in the beginning of the film where uh, Dr. Rick Hansen, um, who's a neuropsychologist, talks about the difference. There's two types of happiness that he he believes are the you know, the, the basis of happiness. There's hedonic happiness and eudaimonic happiness. And hedonic happiness, he explains, is, you know, all the, all the, the pleasures of life. You eat something good, you know, you, um, you have a, a fun, your team wins, you know, um, you go to a concert, you listen to great music, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is hedonic happiness. It's very pleasure-driven. It, it, you know, in it titillates our senses. Um, and then we mix that in where we're actually showing you people. We were in Boston when the Red Sox won the World Series, so they met a bunch of people at the at the parade there that were all, you know, excited. So when he talks about that, we have that kind of happiness to show you. We went to a bakery in Eugene, Oregon, and we were, you know, <laughs> stuffing our faces with chocolates and <laughs> brownies and all that kind of stuff, which was phenomenal. Um and so, you know, it's like it's a mixture of all that kind of stuff. And then he talks about hedonic happiness. Um, and hedonic happiness is more of that deep fulfillment of life, you know. And he, he has this great where he goes, you know, you talk, think about, you know, raising small children. Um, he says it's not necessarily a hedonic pleasure, um, but it's something that's deeply fulfilling. You know, you're, 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 you know, I have two small kids myself and, it's a lot of work, you know, it's a job yes. in and of itself. And, you know, you got to get up early in the morning, you're making lunches, you're making breakfast, you're getting kids ready for school, you're getting them out to school. And all that happens before you can even think about your own life, right? <laughs> and right. it's work, it's hard work. And sometimes, you know, little kids, they don't want to listen to you. Um, but you got to get the job done anyway. And so that part definitely doesn't fall into hedonic happiness. But at the end of it, it's, you know, it's really just pleasurable to, you know, see them grow and, and have their love and, you know, be able to, to you know, provide for them. 
Yes, and, and I thought that the, the yes, and I thought the the film did a beautiful job of tying these uh, these two parts of, of the of the documentary together with the, all of the information that is out about the happiness from the, the scientists and the psychologists and the artists and and then actually seeing these remarkable people who were nominated as the happiest person that somebody else that somebody else knew and you know if i were going to pick a a person to nominate as the happiest person that i know it would be somebody who's in the chat room today <laughs> And it's Nancy Lombardo, who is the host of uh, Comedy Concepts here on Blog Talk Radio. Her wonderful show is on every um, Friday and Monday uh, mornings at 10.30 Eastern Time. So hi, uh, Nancy. So glad that you're in the chat room. And and you know that that you would be my nominee for the happiest person that I know. And and she certainly makes me happy with the the show that she puts on. it ends the week great and starts the next week even oh, just as funny. But um, t- tell tell us a little bit about some of these people that were in the film. I know that that we only have forty five minutes, but but I have three I have three favorites from the film that I I hope you'll tell us a little bit about. And yeah. we were talking before the show started about the wonderful. Great uh, Sherman, <laughs> uh, Richard Sherman, Richard yeah. M. Sherman, and there's a there's a, a oh just such an inspiring person. I I I, I just was in awe of her, Gloria Borges, Gloria, and then yeah. the, and then the man who uh, built Randy Land. <laughs> Those yes, are three. Randy. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so why don't well, we start with Richard, with Richard M. Sherman, yeah. and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about him. Well, you know, whenever you think of happiness, right, you automatically think of Disney, right, the happiest place on earth. Um, and I've always thought that, you know, one of the things that makes Disney the happiest place on earth, and and I mean, not, I mean Disneyland and Disney movies and everything is the music. You couldn't go yes. to Disneyland. If you took all the music out of Disneyland, you'd go there and it would all of a sudden not feel quite so happy. And so in the beginning of this, I was like, okay, we have to talk to the guy who's written some of the happiest songs ever. Um, and, and not just not just him, but you know, music in general is what brings a lot of people happiness. But this is the quintessential happy music. And so, luckily, Richard Sherman is a friend and uh, somebody who my producer and his father know very well, and I know as well now much better than I did before. But um, he was so great. I mean, he was just—he really is a truly, truly happy person himself. I mean, how could you how could you spend your entire career writing all those songs with "It's a Small World" and you know Winnie the Pooh and all that stuff and not be a happy person? I mean, you kind of just have to tap into that, and it really is a testament to happiness itself and the and the the ability that we have as humans to kind of create our own world. And yeah. you know, I don't. I can't say that Richard Sherman is necessarily somebody who was born happy. You know, there are people that have what they call a higher baseline for happiness, 
mm-hmm. than others. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I didn't even ask him that, and and uh, I doubt he's ever been tested per se. But you know, when you spend all your time focusing on that stuff, and you say, okay, we're writing happy songs, we're doing this, it really does elevate you. It really makes you. It puts your focus in there. I mean, I always liken this this concept to is something very basic, right? There's 24 hours in a day. You sleep pretty much eight hours of those 24. And so with 16 hours left, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on stuff that makes you miserable? Or are you going to focus on stuff that makes you happy? There is things in life that you can't avoid. And sometimes things come up that make you miserable. But it's all about the number of hours in a day that you spend thinking about those things or focusing on them or dealing with them that shapes your mind and shapes, you know, your, your train of thought. And so Mm -hmm. somebody like Richard Sherman, you know, when he spends all that time thinking about happy songs and, and all all the Mary Poppins, the Mary Poppins music. Oh my gosh. We were so lucky to have him come and, and do an interview with us for the film. He sat in front of the piano for us and he played us so many songs that he had written. Unfortunately, we didn't have the budget to be able to license that stuff to include it in the film. Um, but it was a truly, truly unique experience to have him sit there right in front of us at a piano and play for us, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Mary Poppins, you know. Well, I was delighted world. with that part. And what about uh, Gloria? That, that That's kind of opposite of, of uh, Richard Sherman, but but where did you find Gloria? So Gloria is um, a good friend of my wife, and she's somebody that my she was m- one of my wife's mentees at uh, their law firm, and um, she at 28 years old was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, which is oh. pretty much a death sentence. You know, yes. um, they they literally the doctors were like, you've got six months to live get your affairs in order, go have a good time, and that's it. And she says in the film, she was like, I didn't think, I, I didn't take this as a negative for one second. I was like, cancer? Are you kidding? You're not going to ruin my life. I'm going to, in fact, my life's going to get better. And it's such a, an amazing thing to watch her and listen to her and hear her attitude because I can't imagine having that strength and that perseverance in that situation, you know, I definitely can't imagine it now having, having known her and, and see what she does and getting that inspiration. But it's just an amazing thing to see that she really took this, this thing that otherwise would ruin your life. And she turned it into the best thing that ever happened to her. From, it was from the just, uh, there's the, there was the eye opener for, for me. I mean, uh, uh, she's, uh, I really, she is in, in my heart now. She's definitely in my oh, heart. So and, yeah, um, mine the, as well. every, everyone who sees it will feel the same way. And then Randy, Randy. <laughs> say a little bit about Randy. Randy. Okay, so we're in Pittsburgh, and we were staying with uh, a friend who's a happiness blogger, and she was telling us, she's like, so what are you going to do here? We're like, oh, we've got these interviews lined up. She goes, okay, go to Randy Land. And we're like, what's Randy Land? She goes, just go. (laughs) And we're like, okay. (laughs) And so we show up, 
at this place that's literally in the slums of Pittsburgh. It's like the Section 8 housing. We're driving through, and we're like, okay, this is not the neighborhood we belong in. This is dangerous. We're a little scared. And then we come across this, what he calls a castle. He is an artist, a painter. Um, he bought this house for that was going to be condemned. It was like an old kind of uh, just brick building, a three-story brick building, and he started to paint it. And he used every color in the rainbow and then more. And it, it's truly fascinating to see. And he is just a beam of happiness. This guy lights up the room. You, you know, you, he, nothing gets him down. And, and this is a poor guy, you know. Randy is not oh, yeah. a guy who has uh, – he, he doesn't make a lot of money. His day job is he's a waiter, and, you know, so he makes enough to get by. Um, but everything he collects, he collects like garbage, basically, and he turns garbage into treasure. Um, and he tells this great story. He says, you know, when I was a kid, I went to school one day, and it was right after Christmas, and everybody was talking about what they got for Christmas. And all the kids were saying, oh, I got a bike, and I got you know, a skateboard, and I got this, and I got a doll. And, and he was like, I got socks and underwear. And he <laughs> felt horrible. He's like, I didn't want my brothers and sisters to have to go through what I went through. He goes, so I started going out on the streets and finding things. And he goes, and people were throwing away sleds and bikes and, and skateboards. And he goes, so I took them home and I polished them up and I kind of put them back together. And that next year for Christmas, I snuck down in the middle of the night and I put all these things under the tree. And <laughs> when my family woke up the next morning, they were all screaming and yelling, and my mom was like, what happened? What is going on? What are you guys screaming and yelling about? And he goes, and I became Santa Claus. <laughs> and it's like, really? <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you think about that stuff just to, like, bring so much joy to other people? That in and of itself made him an infinitely more happy person. And you see it. I mean, you 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 picked it out of a film, and you're like, "This guy is amazing." Oh right? yeah, yeah. I just I just uh, you know I'll never forget him. I never will never will forget <laughs> him or so many others of the of the people that you came in contact with and put put on film. Uh, I just had such a feeling of joy watching pursuing happiness, and of course oh, there were so there were a few tears. We don't want to want to uh, uh, not explain to listeners that, that, that there will be some, some sad uh, parts, but it's just one, yes, of the, and one of the most moving documentaries that I have, I have ever, ever seen. How has it been received so far? I know you've, you have um, uh, gone to several or, or been accepted at several film festivals. Um, yeah. Have you had, what kind of reaction have you had? We, we've had incredible reactions. I mean, so many reactions just like yours. I will say this. The best comment we ever got in a and a at a festival was afterwards a woman stood up. She literally stood up. I didn't even call on her. She just stood up and she goes, I just have to tell you, this film should be required viewing to be a human. Oh, great. I agree. <laughs> and I, I think that says it all, right? You know? It does. What else? Could, I mean, what else would need to be uh, said about it? But uh, you did. I think you you received some some recognition, 
at some of the uh, yeah, we, film festivals. Yeah, we won we won some awards. We won the, an Outstanding Achievement Award in Sacramento, um, among others. I did want to I did want to jump back, and you you mentioned that there were tears in the film. Um, and there were some sad moments, and I wanted to touch on that real quick because this is something that is one of my biggest discoveries um, and throughout the, throughout making this film. When I originally set out to make this film, I wanted to really focus on the happiest people in the country, and what I believed that to be was all sugar and candy, right? All these people that were just exceedingly happy and always smiling and laughing and having a good time. And that's really in my head what I thought happiness was. And what I came to discover was happiness isn't just that. Happiness is a full spectrum. And you can't have happiness without sadness. And you can't have happiness without a full life of emotions. And and that is what, you know, what really came clear through meeting Gloria and there's another character in the film, John, um, who at 30 years old, he was a piano player and lost both of his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really came clear, and that's what the entire third act of the film is focused on, is how do you find happiness in tragedy? And it is remarkable to watch these individuals who really have figured out that secret, who figured out, I'm not going to succumb to fear. I'm not going to allow, you know, my mind to create things that are going to make me scared and inhibit me from really getting the most out of life. Um, And I'm glad, I'm glad that you, that you did skip back to that. I think that's very well said and, and, uh, very much appreciated that you did include that. Now, we're going to take just a little break here, Adam, uh, because it's so time good. for uh, brief messages from two loyal listeners. And after I play these short clips, I'd uh, like to find out uh, what qualities you think are needed to be a successful documentarian, because we probably have some listeners who may think of, think, maybe on the verge of making documentaries themselves, and um, and also um, give you time to uh, add anything else about uh, pursuing happiness. But right now, we'll listen to these two brief messages. Hi, comedian Nancy Lombardo here. Nancy is the host of Comedy Concepts, 
right here on Blog Talk Radio on Monday and Friday mornings at 10.30 Eastern Time. And uh, it's always such a fun show. I'm, I'm really quite addicted to it. And also, don't forget to check out the Mom and Pop Shop show on Dreamstream Radio each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. It's very entertaining, of course, because the host is none other than Mr. Showbiz himself, George Bettinger. And let's not forget all the diverse shows on the Wacko Network over there on Mixler, M-I-X-L-R. There's something for everyone in the Wacko wheelhouse. Well, we're back live now with Adam Shell, who has been enlightening us about Pursuing Happiness, his latest documentary. Adam, you've made uh, three documentaries now. That one that I'm putting on my li- on my Netflix list, Put the Camera on Me, and then Finding Craftland and Pursuing Happiness. So, what um, um, what have you uh, what have you learned, and what advice can you give about the uh, qualities that are needed uh, by somebody who wants to be a documentarian? Well, I would say the best quality that you can in, in, inhibit or in, inhabit, <laughs> not inhibit, inhabit, uh, to be a good documentarian is to really listen. Um, I think, you know, making documentaries is all about making, you know, pieces about real people and keeping your mind open and listening and allowing uh, a, a subject or a, a piece of material or a concept to unfold in front of you without, you know, making too many uh, too many judgments prior to, um, you know, really combing through what you have, I think is the best key. I mean, I liken uh, documentary filmmaking, at least the style that I do, to a, a huge research paper. You know, you come yeah. up with uh, a couple thesis questions yeah. at the beginning, um, and then you go out and you gather information, and you just gather, 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 and and you listen and you watch and you know you follow leads and and then you have to put it all together and make sense of it. Um, well, and- it, you 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 absolutely made a lot of sense with pursuing happiness and um i'm i'm just wishing you uh, all the success in the in the world i am so har- sorry to say that our time is almost up and it it's been a real treat uh, to have you with us adam thank you for great. being such a terrific guest and i'm um we're going to have to wrap things up so this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support and to listeners and chatters for tuning in. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. I know I sure did. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at Real Talk Movie Reviews. And if you haven't already purchased a copy of my new book, Cinema Stanzas, Rhyming About Movies, please go to the Kindle store on Amazon.com and buy the ebook for only $3.99. I'm so happy that it's getting rave reviews and that many of you have already ordered and read it. Thanks so much. That's all for now, and I have a special treat for Adam uh, with the outro music because next Sunday is International Happiness Day. We're going to close the show with the happiest song I know. It just happens to be one composed by... Richard Sherman, 
who was uh, featured as one of the people in Adam in uh, Adam's wonderful film. Ladies and gentlemen, here are Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke taking us out with. You probably guessed it. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious, if you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Because I was afraid to speak when I was just a lad. My father gave me nails that week and told me I was bad. But then one day I learned the word to say, we ain't to know. The biggest word you ever heard, and this is how it goes. Oh, look at kind of crap, and When Dukes and Martin Rogers pass a time of day with me, I say me special words and move me off me off the tea. Woo! But that's going a bit too far, don't you think? So when the cat has got your tongue, there's no need for dismay. Just summon up this word and then you've got a lot to say. But better use it carefully or it could change your life. For example? Uh, yes? One night I said it to me girl, and now me girl's me wife. Oh, and a lovely thing she is too. <laughs> Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. 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 Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.